The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Hello, stiff-necked people. We are in a sense, right? And so the last few weeks I've been talking about limbo and what that's like. And really limbo is part of our journey in life. If you remember, limbo is a place where we're stuck between what we knew and what we don't know. And I think especially for a lot of young people that are graduating from high school, graduating from college, what I've seen personally in my own household is they're stuck in this state of, I don't know what's coming. And I think even for some of us that are older, maybe we're becoming empty nesters or we're beginning ready to get retired and enjoy retirement. There's this place where we just don't know what's next. And what I told you about, there's a few dangers, right? When we're in limbo, then we become like the invalid at the pool of Bethesda that I talked about in John chapter 5, where he basically does nothing. For 38 years, he was poolside, waiting for someone to put him in the water, the first one in the water, so he could get healed. So it, there tends to be a, a period in limbo where we feel like God is not there. We hear nothing, we see nothing, we feel nothing, therefore we do nothing. And what I said week one was we got to do something right? We got to have an action, a step that we take, something that's different, because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And God is saying, like Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, get up and pick up your bed and walk. He basically said, do something different. And so he did, and of course, he got healed. And the second week, I talked about how when we're in limbo, the longer that we're in it, then there's a sense that panic is going to come our way. We start to get anxious, and anxiety leads to panic. And we don't want to panic. We want to have faith in God, and we talked a lot about that as we went through Matthew chapter 6. But panic, for some of us, is what we live in. Constant anxiety to the point where we have therapy, and we're on medication. And I told you, not that you needed my permission, but I told you, you know, that's okay. Receive prayer, Believe God is healing you from that, but also take an additional step and receive some professional help if you need it, because we don't want to live in that state of constant anxiety and panic. And then last week, something I think is even more important is we need to surround ourselves with a support system. Jesus did. He had 12 disciples, right? One betrayed him. But he also had an inner circle. He had three, Peter, James, and John, who were his close inside circle. Like, we need that. When we're in limbo or just going through trials in our life, we need that inner circle. We need those people that are going to pray for us, those people that are going to comfort us, those that are going to help us. We need that in our life. And especially when we're going through limbo, we need to get through it. So what I want to talk about today is loving limbo. Hence, my shirt. And I've had some people look at it and say, Kimbo? Jimbo? No. Limbo. Where's the L? Right here. Limbo. 
We're going to talk about that. And so here's the thing, because I want to let you know that the journey that we've been on as a church has been a long one. And actually, seven years ago next month, I remember we announced to the church that we were selling our old property. And let me tell you something. It was crazy. When that announcement was made, there was so much grumbling, so much complaining, so much questioning. And, and you know what? Uh, our former pastor, Rob, and I, we received a lot of backlash. Because you see, we were entering a period of limbo as a church. And you guys remember that, right? We went from, <laughs> from having service in this huge property to having service in the lunchroom of a school. And having to go through that and then not knowing where our new building was going to be. And here we are. Whoever would have thought that we would be in an old Hobby Lobby here on 101st and Elm and Broken Arrow. And look at what God has done since we've done that. That limbo period. Yeah, amen. Praise God for it. That limbo period is, was so reflective on what I'm going to talk about today. Because what I want to talk about today is what I just read out of Exodus, where the children of Israel are getting ready to move out of Egypt, which they already have. They're now in this wilderness period that lasts uh, for some time before they actually send out the, the 12 spies to go spy out the promised land. They're in this limbo period. They left, they left from something they knew, and they're heading into something they really don't know what's ahead, even though God mapped it out for them. And see, for us as a church, we can relate to that. So I want to get into that today. If everybody would turn into Numbers chapter 13, we're going to go a little OT today, a little Old Testament. And I want to start, if you have your ESV Bible, if that's what you're reading, it'll say Report of the Spies. So again, the children of Israel are pretty much in this season of limbo. God crosses them over the Red Sea. They're in this area called the wilderness. Moses goes up on the mountain to be with God, receive basically the law. And what happens? They start to worship a golden calf. And we get to this period now where we're about ready for God to say, you know what, I'm about done with these people. But Moses pleads for them. And he's like, no, 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 please don't. You know, we cannot move forward into what you've promised us without you. So don't leave us. Don't, don't leave us alone. Be with us. And, and so God's like, okay. So here's the deal. I'm going to send you all into this land of Canaan, this promised land, filled with milk and honey. And he, finally, God gets to a point where he's able to release the spies. Go ahead and send people out there. Moses gets that release, and he sends the 12 spies. And this is what happens, beginning in verse 25. Numbers 13, verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the wilderness, of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and at Kedesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So what happens here? Basically, there is confirmation. Confirmation that what God said was going to come to pass is actually going to come to pass. 
And if you remember what I said a couple weeks ago about the whole being anxious, Jesus actually said, don't be anxious because I'm going to provide for all of your needs, right? What you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. And so when they come back and say, hey, guess what? We found this, this land and yeah, it's filled with milk and honey. It flows with it. And, and here's the fruit. Look at the fruit that we brought back. See, God is saying, don't worry about your future. I'm going to provide for you. Like I said, I would. I'm going to meet your needs. So there was a period in my life, about seven a little over seven years ago, just before I took the job as the associate pastor, I remember specifically standing in the middle of hundreds of people at a national sales meeting for a pharmaceutical company. So hundreds of sales reps. And it was a reception right before we had a major meeting. And it was in the evening, so everybody was boozing. That's, that's the world that I lived in for, for 14 years. And I had my orange juice, okay? I was drinking orange juice, promise. Standing in the middle of hundreds of people, I was basically standing at the bar because I didn't, didn't know anybody. I was brand new. This was the third company that, that I was about to work for. And I knew that this wasn't where I was supposed to be. Like God had something else for me. That period of time for me was a period of limbo. And I remember standing there and God... Literally, he didn't speak to me, and I, but I know he was. He dropped this feeling into me, this feeling of, I'm a total stranger here. This is not where I'm supposed to be. And I had a question in my heart as to, well, where is it you want me to go? And, and he had a plan for me. I knew it. But as I stood there, I was wondering how on earth I was going to get there. Because everything I knew, everything I was familiar with, was the pharmaceutical world for 14 years. Let's keep going. Verse 28. Here's the big however. So these spies come back and they say, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. It was great until they said, however. They began to doubt that God was going to come through. So in limbo... You have a period where you start to doubt. And as I stood there at that national meeting, I started to doubt. How could there be something better than what I already know? And with the Israelites, they started to doubt. So the very first thing that I want you to understand as we are now going to move out of limbo, because my goal today is to help you move out of limbo. If, for those of you that are in this season, I want you out of it. God wants you to move on. So how are we going to do that? The very first thing is we need to have faith. We need to have faith in what it is that he has told us. And I believe some of us are in here today that are in this limbo period know exactly where we're headed, but we don't see it yet. And you've got to have faith because if you don't, this is what's going to happen. So here's Caleb. Caleb was one of the, the 12 that came back that actually had faith. 
But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. See, how many of you have people in your life right now that you just need to tell to be quiet? Because when the grumbling and the complaining starts, you just need to tell them, shut your mouth. Sometimes that's hard to do as, as a leader in ministry, where you, see, when we announced that we were selling our property, we knew God had something better for us. And we had all the grumbling and complaining, and that's the reason why we're down to about 300 people, not 800. When that all started, we had to tell them in a loving way, be quiet. Trust what God is doing. Caleb told them to be quiet before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. There's faith. That's awesome. See, if I had people, if we had people like that around us all the way through this season to where we are today, it would have made it so much easier. I would have loved to have 800 Caleb's. Then the men who had gone up with him, here comes the 10 that do not have faith, said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed, so far, we seemed to them as well. These people are literally killing them. These people that have no faith are literally killing the children of Israel in the state of limbo. You're going to see that here in a minute. Because, because of their lack of faith, they're going to die in the wilderness. So it goes back to what I said last week about we need to make sure we surround ourselves with people that are going to support us. Because what happens is we start to lose faith, we start to doubt. And as, as, we're, as that's happening, we need people to begin to encourage us that know who we are, that support us and say, you know what, God has you, you need to keep moving, you need to keep going through this season and eventually you're gonna come out of it and you're gonna go to the promised land. And that's what Joshua and Caleb were trying to do. But then all these other people were saying, nope, not gonna be able to do it. They had the wrong people around them. Chapter 14. Here's the wrong people. (laughs) Then all the congregation raised a loud cry And the people wept that night. Why is it that faith not exhibited is like this? The people that have no faith raise the loudest cries. I'm done hearing that kind of stuff. Why can't it be those of us with faith cry the loudest? But in this sense, and in the instance that I've explained about us moving from our old location to this, the ones that didn't have faith raised the loudest cry, wept through the night. As I'm 
in the pharmaceutical business looking to go into full-time ministry, I'm raising the same cry. Like, really, God, how are you going to do this? And what God is saying, we need to have faith to move forward. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, what we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. The second thing we need to do to get out of limbo is we need to move forward and not go backward. Because here's the illustration I want to give you. So E, that's not my son Elijah, although that's what I call him. E is Egypt. PL, it's not Pastor Lisa. It's the promised land. So, if you haven't gathered this illustration, we want to go forward to the promised land, not backwards. What the Israelites were saying is, no, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go backwards. We want to get out of limbo and go back to what we know. And what God has been telling them is, no, you need to keep moving forward because if you want to come out of limbo, you got to move forward and enter the promised land. See, this is where we're headed. As a church, we have done that. I believe we are already here. And yes, just because we're in the promised land does not mean we don't have work to do. Because as you well know, once they got here, boy, they had a lot of work to do, didn't they? But they had to get out of this state right here, this state, limbo. Say this with me. I love limbo. So you're like, how is that possible? So for me, as God dropped that in my heart, this is not where you belong. You know you're going into full-time ministry. You know that's happening. I have no idea how that was going to happen, by the way. I had no idea, but I knew it was going to happen. My tendency was, but, but I, I want to, yeah, I kind of want to stay here in Egypt because that industry, I got paid really well because God gave me favor, did very well in that, in that industry. But it was also what I know. I knew this was comfortable for me. Um, also, also, it was probably the worst time of my life because I was away from my family a lot. I traveled all over the country, gone all the time. But, but I justified it because I earned a lot of hotel points, a lot of airline miles, so that when Lisa and I would go on vacations, we would go to some pretty nice places. But still, it was hard. It was unhealthy. But for some reason, I wanted to go here. I wanted to stay here. The, the flesh wanted me here. Did not want me to move forward. So I kept wanting to go back to Egypt in my heart. Verse 5, Numbers 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, 
who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which was passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, does the Lord delight in you? Yes. He will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Do not rebel, do not fear. What required us to get out of this limbo period and get over here to the promised land is simply faith and obedience. That's all they needed to have. And there's two, Moses probably along with him and Aaron, right? But everybody else, nope. Faith and obedience. Faith that God is going to push you through and obedience because I believe some of us that are here in limbo know exactly where it is we're headed. Do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed for them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Look what happens next. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. We need to have faith and obedience, but we also need to remember what God has done. See, it's okay to look back at what God has done, how he has delivered us out of many things, right? Man, there are some of us in here I know have testimonies, how God has healed you, how God has delivered you, how God has provided for your needs, how God has saved your marriage, you name it. We all have testimonies of things that we went through when we were in Egypt, in the hardest time of our life, suffering for God. We all have testimonies. It's okay while we're in limo to look back, but it's not okay to go back. And I, I know there's people in here that are looking to go back because they're very uncomfortable in where they're at. Maybe some of you, it's go back to a former job. Maybe some of you, it's go back to a former relationship that you know is not healthy. But see, there's something comfortable about it, even though it was literal hell on earth. We can look back and see what God has done, but I'm telling you, please, please don't go back. Don't go back. Continuing in verse 13. But Moses, this is awesome, making a stand. Here we go. But Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you bought them, brought them out of this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of the people, for you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. 
Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. See, here's a moment here where Moses is saying, if you don't get us out of here, then what is it going to look like to the people that are out there? People that are not part of your people, people that are unbelievers. See, God has also given us a word to move out of this season in our life and to move towards the promised land. And what does it look like to those that are around you that are unbelievers that if he doesn't do it, what's it going to say about him and his goodness? Because it's not, it's not just about us. There's always others that are involved and mainly those that are around us. So he says, and now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. This is awesome, because as the Lord is hearing the pleading of Moses This is what he says in verse 20. I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of these men who have seen my glory and my signs that I have did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers and none of those who despise me shall see it. But as my servant Caleb, because he has, here's the key phrase, a different spirit. What's the different spirit? One that is not of fear. One that is not of unbelief. One that is not of doubt. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. That's the different spirit that Caleb and Joshua had. But how often do we find ourselves in limbo and we have a different spirit? One that is fearful, one that is doubtful, one that is of unbelief, one that is of the devil and not of God. And what we have to do is have that different spirit that Caleb had. We need to believe, we need to trust that God has something better for us. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land to which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Now since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. So what God is doing here is saying, basically remember what I've taken you through out of Egypt. Remember what I've walked you through in the wilderness. Wow, can you imagine I mean, a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, manna every morning, even though they were sick of it, laying out there before them for breakfast, quail dropping out of the sky because they complained they didn't have meat and said, oh, I remember Egypt when we had the meat and God put quail dropping out of the sky for them to have meat. They continued to grumble and complain. When God was like, Moses, why shouldn't I just wipe them out? They have seen my glory. They have seen me provide for their needs. Church, have you not seen God's glory? Have you not seen him provide for your needs? 
then when you're here, when you're in limbo, why not trust and believe that he's about to do the same thing again and move you into the promised land? Before I get into this next section, when I stood there at that national meeting, and as God dropped that into my heart, you're not meant to be here. You have a different spirit about you. I'm not saying that everybody in that room were unbelievers, but God had placed an anointing or a mantle on me that I was about to walk in there was something different that was going to happen in my life versus everybody else that was there. And I felt that. So now what happens is when I think about that limbo period, I remember it very fondly. It was a period of my life where even though I knew I was about to head right here, full-time ministry, I accepted it. And then I moved on from that national meeting and I began to do my job. And Lisa can attest to this, that favor was on me and we were doing really well, weren't we, sweetheart? We were doing extremely well. And it was a different season of my life because I'd come out of several different limbo periods and saw God's hand in my life that this season was different. I was home more, wasn't traveling as much, and we were doing really well financially. And then the day came when Pastor Rob asked me to be his associate pastor. And it was at the height of how well I was doing. Like, for a minute, I was like, oh boy, are we really going to do this? We were going to leave this. And so, I remember that moment very vividly, and I remember Lisa and I talking about it, and I remember calling my manager and saying, I'm out. It was tough. But I remember that period fondly, very fondly. And, and, and I, I think for most of us that are in limbo, right now, what I'm asking you to do is to embrace it. To love it. And don't go back. Verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, that you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And all your number, listen in the census, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Caleb and Joshua able to go because they were faithful, they maintained their faith, and they were obedient. They did not grumble, they did not complain. You notice the ones that did, that were part of our church, are no longer here. They didn't move forward. 
For me, from that national meeting until I went out and did my job, I didn't grumble and complain. And I was able to move forward. For those of you that are in this limbo, don't grumble, don't complain. Remember what God has brought you through. Maintain your faith. Be obedient to whatever he tells you to do. And I promise you, you will get to this point. And don't be discouraged because when you get here, like I said earlier, there's going to be a lot of work. And there's going to be a period of time where you'll probably enjoy this and work hard at it to whatever God has told you to do. For, for the Israelites, it was to conquer all these people and not leave one thing alive. But you're going to get to a point where you'll be right back here again. I promise you. It's just part of the journey. And it'll be like, man, God, where are you at? But remember what he brought you out of before so that you can continue to move forward. So how do you get out of limbo? Learn from me. Learn from what we went through as a church. The big idea is in order to leave limbo, you need to love it. That's it. Pastor Jeff, how can I do that? Because I am suffering right now. My, my, my mind is like Swiss cheese because the devil keeps trying to fill it with stuff like you ain't going anywhere, nobody cares about you, your life is going to end. Oh yeah, oh by the way, there's a major pandemic, the world seems to be falling apart, so what kind of future are you going to have? All this stuff coming at you. And pastor, you don't know that I'm unemployed, I don't have a job, and I'm about ready to lose it. Or, pastor, I'm in this state right now, and I'm thinking it's time to take my life. Next week, I'm going to talk about that. I'm asking you all this week to pray, because next week is going to be one of the most difficult messages that I've ever preached. It has nothing to do with limbo, but has everything to do with the health of our mind because that's where it begins. You have to love it in order to leave it. I'm going to say this one more time. Remember what God has done. Don't let go of that. If he did it then, he will do it now. Enjoy. Find joy in this period that you're in right now. And let me tell you, it's not easy. I, I'm having to relive some moments in my life. A lot of the things that I share with you up here is, is things that God has brought me out of or currently working on me to bring me out of something. And that's the only joy sometimes that I find is remembering and just spending time with Him. That's what you have to do. So right now, what I want to do is I want to worship. And we saved this song to the end. It's called Sea of Victory. So what I want you to do is remember the victories of the past as we worship, but then also see the victory that's ahead. He's faithful then. He's faithful now. He does not change.